Hi, my name is Shane Brody. I'm a new producer here on KWRK. I have a show called Fairbanks Public Affairs. It's on Wednesdays starting at 8 p.m. What I do is I play some music, I talk about some local events and calls to action, and then I also interview people. The other day I was on Facebook and I noticed that somebody was posting about the new uh, shelter that's being built and this young lady was saying something about there not being any drop-off kennels at the new shelter. And that really worried me and she seemed very passionate about that subject so I reached out to her. And she agreed to an interview and I'm so glad that you're here and I was wondering if you could introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Christina, and I would just call myself an animal welfare advocate. But I I don't really feel like I'm the best person to be speaking, mainly because I feel like I'm riding the coattails of a lot of people that have been doing much more in in the community long term than I have. Well, luckily here in Fairbanks, there's a lot of people who are concerned about animal welfare. And one of the things about my show is that I like to talk to experts and also people who run organizations, but I also like to talk to just regular people out in our community who are doing things. And you seemed really passionate about the subject, and you were actually putting out a call to action. And so I thought that was very proactive, and that's why I invited you in for an interview today. So I was wondering if you could talk about this. I I feel very honored to volunteer with the ASAP clinic. We do the low-cost spay-neuter clinic every month here in the community for dogs. We have a a clinic for cats every week. We try and get to Delta also during the summer months when we can make the trip. And I work with some wonderful people. And if you don't mind, I would like to just mention Dr. Jean Olson, Dr. Gregory Peach, Emily Machos, Meredith Nava, Leslie Hoffmeister and Gil Gardner are all people that I work with routinely every month. Yes, I've heard some of those names before. I would like to say that I'm pretty involved with a lot of the animal stuff that happens in the community, and I've been following some things that have been happening at the shelter. And over the summer, there was a sort of almost random post on Facebook from Animal Control, the shelter, said something about the drop-off kennels being closed. It was so much at the end that I didn't even read it until one of my friends in rescue sent it to me and said, do you see that they're closing the drop-off kennels? Um, And I had to go back and read the post, and I thought, wow, that can't be a good option. Because there's kind of a problem here with people moving out and then abandoning animals. So that's a really good service that the municipal shelter currently offers, is that people can bring pets there and put them at any time of the day in protected shelters. Yes, and I I think there's people that are not actually working in rescue, and this is just my opinion, obviously, but I think there's a misconception around overpopulation. I think that a lot of people believe that overpopulation is really only there if you see a bunch of animals running around. And in in my personal opinion, overpopulation just means, do we have too many animals in our community and not enough homes? And so if you look at it from that perspective, overpopulation is very easy. And I think a lot of people use the drop-off kennels maybe because they did not know about maybe a financial burden or maybe they find an animal outside in the cold. Maybe they have a family crisis that happens. And I think that the idea is that we can force people to be more responsible. Um, When I, I believe that if somebody 
has that perspective, they are not connected enough to the people that they are influencing. At these clinics that we do monthly, we do anywhere from 40 to 50 cats weekly and 25 to 30 dogs monthly. And so when you do these clinics, you see the people that come in with their animals and how much they love their animals, whether they can afford to pay to get their animal spay or neutered or not. There is obvious evidence in the way that they behave that they care about their animals. Yeah, I took my dog to ASAP for uh, to be fixed, and it was great. It was very easy, low cost, and people were really nice to me. It was great. And my understanding is that there's fewer ASAP clinics currently than when I actually used it. I don't know if there are fewer clinics, but I know that we are backed up months, at least for dogs. I moved here from Alabama, and we, you know, there was much, much more of a problem because of the heat there. But you could easily get a, an animal fixed for, uh, you know, under $120, right, May, male or female. And when I moved up here, I was shocked to see that our clinic was really the only option for people to fix their animal at that cost. Right. So when did you find out that the borough was not going to put these drop-off kennels in the new shelter? Like I said, I found it out um, from Facebook first, and then when I realized that they were actually making these changes and kind of letting us know afterwards, I really wanted to find out more about it. And so I... So it's already part of the architectural and engineering plans. That's my impression. Okay. Um, I went to the ACC meeting this what month. What does ACC stand for? Animal Control Commission. Okay. And, you know, and I, I'm fairly new to government structures, and I still feel like it's hard for me to figure it out, which is frustrating. But the Animal Control Commission, at least my impression of it, is to make recommendations to the shelter and they also are the people that appeal bites, uh, bites and things like that. And so they are supposed to be sort of intertwined with the shelter and their operations. And so I attended the ACC meeting mainly to find out if this was true. And it just happened to be a meeting where they were presenting plans of the new shelter. And I went and spoke about the concern about the drop-off kennels. And what I found particularly interesting is the structure of the meetings, no one can really respond to you in a way that answers your questions or even gives you information. So you ask a question in, in a meeting like this, and you're not giving a, a response, you're giving a question back. Right. Okay. And, and That's I, a weird diversionary tactic. When I was speaking at the assembly a couple of years ago, when I started doing that, I was confused by it and just looking at the reality that that is a really hard way to have a dialogue. Right. Right. Meaning like I go in there with questions and... And you want information. Right. Yeah. And they can only ask me questions about things, which, and, and honestly, most of the time they don't even do that. But at that meeting... Luckily, there were a few people on the on the commission that actually said something about why I was there and what I was asking about. So other people reinforced what you were talking about. Yes, okay. co correct. Yeah, right. and they. That's why we need lots of people to show up to these meetings. I think a lot of people do not know that these things could happen. I think that mm. they, as a community resource, I think that people really believe that more people from the shelter would spread this information far and wide so mm. that people would know. 
But that is not the case. Yeah, um, from what you were saying before our interview, you, you think that people in the animal welfare community don't know about this. No. That, well, I didn't know. Yeah. And I was even shocked that and that would be... heavily involved. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you can even tell online that people, you know, are like, there's no way that could happen, you know. And I got to hand it to my uh, friend, Doug. He used, I was talking to him about this the other day, and he used the word obfuscated. Mm. Ah, mm. word of the year, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like I have to clap it out with syllables. But at, this, at the same time, I think it really, quite frankly, describes our situation. It, it borders on sort of, you know, clandestine type things happening. And you wonder just how, how it comes out like this. And so I was very encouraged that I don't remember what commissioner it was at the meeting, but she actually said that it is very discouraging to see that we have concerns about this from the community and that the new plans do not include drop-off mm, kennels. Yeah. Right. It's almost like they're going to build it and then people are going to get upset and then they're just going to put up their hands. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, it's already built. Right. There's nothing we can do now. Right. And then we're going to have a huge problem because we are, like I said earlier, we already have animals like everything from mice and hamsters and up to dogs and cats right. being abandoned in places. Right. The rescues around here are just absolutely full right. of animals currently. And so that's going to get worse. Right. Right. And we are paying for this service. The municipal shelter is our shelter. It's all of our shelter. It's a service that we have because we need it. Right. We need these kennels. And I I just want to say that I don't necessarily think that the people that are doing this are intentionally doing what they're doing, even though some people would disagree with me. I think it is ignorance. I think it is their detachment Mm. from people that they're serving. I think it is their detachment Mm. from how the community uses this resource. Maybe it is that they don't use it enough to think that it's worth having. Um, But I promise you, if you came to one of our clinics once a month and you saw the wait list that we have and you saw the, the fragility of this it only takes a couple people having a couple unwanted litters to t- change your environment, right? right? To change how many animals we have in the community when our temperatures get very, 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 very dangerous, right? Right. I would like to talk just a little bit more about what I experienced at the discussion at the ACC meeting. You know, the commissioners were awesome in support of my concerns, especially because I I really think that, I don't know when it happened, but at least since I've been going to the ACC meetings, it, it seems that the ACC continues to be fractured. You know, it seems that they are in a place where they feel like they cannot do their jobs, that their, their opinions are not considered. But I would like to mention that when the commissioners were concerned about my concerns, and they actually said, well, we had somebody here today with concerns about these drop-off kennels. The shelter manager wanted a meeting to present statistics as to why drop-off kennels are not needed or uh, safe, I think was even the concern. Right. Because those drop-off kennels are theirs precisely to keep animals safe. Right. And and I remember that when the uh, notice came out on Facebook, it was something about we're going to 
universal, and universal is the only word I can think of to use right now, but universal standards for shelter care, right? And that, that kind of makes me nervous considering that Fairbanks, Alaska is not like any other place, That's right? right. We, we like living here because it is uh, a unique place. And, and so for that reason, I don't think that we have the luxury of trying to act like we are like other places, really, unless you're that privileged. <laughs> yeah, but I've also, you know, I used to live in California a long time ago, and I volunteered at a municipal shelter in Berkeley, California. Wealthy, really nice weather year-round, et cetera. They, don't, they definitely don't get any snow down there. And they also had drop-off kennels because they realize that sometimes things happen, right? Like you said earlier, right. Right. there can be a family emergency, et cetera, et cetera. And so there needs to be a place where, where people can take their animals. I see posts like that all the time mm-hmm. on Facebook asking, what can I do in my situation? And people always recommend, please take your animal down to the shelter, put your animal in those drop-off kennels, and, and fill out the paperwork. Right. Obviously, the main issue is that the animal is safe. Right, right. Yeah. right. If we look at the history of where drop-off kennels came from, you know, a long time ago, the story is that it started with unwanted babies. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, at least that's what I've read in some articles when I was trying to figure out how, if this is happening everywhere. But, but it started specifically for anonymous people being able to do the right thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so... Yeah, let's not punish people for doing the right thing. Right. We and, use punishment way too much. And I, and I think that if, if you came to our clinics monthly and you saw how people care about their animals, maybe they don't have as much money as everybody else, but the care they have for their animals and, and the way that they're receptive to feedback about how mm-hmm. to be with their animal and how their animal behaves and the the feedback from the vet, and you you can see that they're grateful for the one-to-one attention, uh, whether they have uh, the money to pay for it or not. And so this idea that people have another option, right? Like people are like, do another option, right? Whatever that means. I think that people... What what are the other options? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And I, and I think that people want to try and force people to make a better decision when in reality, that's not actually what happens, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and neutering and you know, making sure that your animal is protected and in a warm kennel, that is the best, those are the best decisions. Right. And I, and I think that if you consider that more people are in survival mode than you think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of people are like, you know, why are people like that with their animals? And if, if you were actually in rescue, if you actually, you know, went out to people's houses like we do and give yeah. them traps and, and give them food and, and, and work at these clinics, then, then you would know that people are existing with their animals like they are existing with themselves. Yeah. Right. And so if a lot of people in poverty, they don't they try not to show it. Right. Because it's a it's a pride thing because people will treat you poorly. They will look down on you and people want to maintain their pride. Right. And so when people say, um, you know, even I've said it right. People need to be more responsible. And even my opinions have changed about this over time. That's too hard. You know, Dealing with people in such a hard way isn't compassionate. Right. I, yeah. I agree with you 100%. And, and and I do believe that people that are dropping off animals anonymously, 
that is the responsible choice yes. for them. That yeah. That is the option they chose. And I, I really do believe these clinics show that people really, really, really do the right thing if they have the option. Yes. So, But if you don't have the option, then then you don't have the luxury of even doing that, right? And, and then you get people in dangerous situations, not just for themselves, but for their animals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it's, I don't think it's necessarily anybody's fault and there's not much anybody can do about it unless they have that option. Yeah. And so I think removing the option is a very, very, very bad idea. And yeah. I, out of all the resources at the shelter, as much as I appreciate the shelter and everything they do, I would say the drop-off kennels is one of the key aspects, at least in our environment, that we I agree. need. Yeah. I agree. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I just found it very interesting at the meeting that when they talked about why we were removing the drop-off kennels, the shelter manager requested kind of a, a meeting to present statistics that supported removing the drop-off kennels. And I'm just curious where those statistics are from. Like if we're using these statistics to remove a service in Fairbanks, Alaska, are these statistics from Fairbanks, Alaska? Or right. are they from a different place that is not like us? Uh, and I'd like to see the statistics that show what happens after you remove outdoor kennels or, right. or, or these drop-off kennels. What happens after that? Right. I, w- I would like to see that because in this environment, it, it's a really dangerous situation, I feel like. Yes. So if they have statistics, let's let's see the full gamut there of statistics. Right. And I think at a foundational level, it's, community resources is never going to get easier. Right. You know, the shelter is a community resource. We have all kinds of other services for the community. And when those resources are for the community, paid by the community, mm-hmm. you are servicing the community That's and right. people in need. And so you will always have difficulty meeting that need. Those sorts of resources are always meant to be helping the people that are not getting help uh, in other ways. Yeah. Uh, that's why those resources exist. When people talk about saving money and then they talk about social services, I wonder what they're doing. Right. You know what? They are meeting a need that's out there. We just have to do it. Just like we should be funding more shelters for people and the soup kitchens and that sort of thing because there's such a great need. Right. Yeah. And uh, when I first moved here, I remember if I thought about it for too long, if I was driving to work and it was 40 below Mm. and I was just driving to work, just kind of daydreaming, right? Thinking about how cold it was and thought about, man, if I just slip on this ice and I go off into this ditch, you know, I could die. Right. Um, that, that's how we live here, right? And, right. If, and if you stop to think about it for too long, it can freak you out. That's right. Um, that's why we have to help each other here. Right. Yes. And that's the culture of the place. Right. Is I that agree. we help each other. Yes. And I, I fear that if this goes through, we won't know how bad our problem will actually be until mm. we are in it. Right. And then we won't even have any way to help ourselves because now the old shelter is closed and we have a new shelter that, sorry, we don't have any drop-off kennels. You'll have to figure out another way. And that is going to fall back on the ASAP clinics and the other rescues and things like that that are already strapped. Right. Y'all are are already so impacted. Right. Yeah. I had an interview with Crystal Lapp, and she was talking about that. Oh, yeah. I love Crystal. Yeah, she's wonderful. How... 
all of the fosters right now are completely full. Right. Yeah, all of the rescues are just dealing with so much right now. Yes. And, and you know, we, we do our best, but at the same time, we're always trying to, you know, hold back the current of, of changes like this that right. we know are going to impact. So we really do need as many people as possible. Even if you've never picked up an animal, if you've ever even saw an animal and thought that you wanted to help it, this is going to impact everybody. And, and so we need as many people as possible to write the assembly members, write the mayor, advocating for keeping our drop-off kennels. Yeah. Matter of fact, I don't even know if that's going to be enough. I, I, I really am worried that this has gone so far that we may not be able to do it, but I guess we will find out. And so we need enough people to speak at the assembly and to speak to the mayor about how desperately we need these drop-off yeah. tunnels at the new shelter. And even if, even if you're not a low, lower-income person, you know, like I am, just think, what if your cat or your dog gets out, mm-hmm. you know, jumps the fence when there's too much snow and, and your animal can get over the fence? If somebody finds your animal, what are they going to do with it then? Right, right. People will advise them right now to take them to the shelter and put them in the drop-off kennel. Yes. What's going to happen when we don't have that anymore? Right. Yeah, and and if you look at some of the pictures that they show us online about the animals that come into the drop-off kennels, right? It's it's routine that you see animals that are not as well cared for as you would like. Some of them are sick, you know? And so sometimes people do not have the funds yeah. and they're embarrassed right. and they wanna help their animal. And, and maybe maybe they waited too long, right? Yeah. Maybe it took them forever. Maybe they neglected their animal for forever. Right. And finally they said, you know, I'm gonna do the right thing, right? They need an option to do the right thing regardless of the circumstances. Right. And yeah. that's, that's humane. Correct, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And the only way through this is trying to understand each other and be compassionate towards each other. And ultimately, the animals are the ones that suffer. So when you say, I'm going to remove this option for the people, it it doesn't just impact the people, it impacts uh, the animals most of all. So once again, you were mentioning kind of a call to action. And I was wondering if you could repeat that just so we can round out this interview a little bit, because I always like to give people an option of what they can do to get involved. Okay, so there is not anything on the agenda about this at the next meeting, but that's because we're catching up. So the next assembly meeting is the 24th. It's a Thursday and it's at 6 p.m. And all you have to do is show up just a few minutes before the meeting and write down your name under the comments not on the agenda. It's the first part of the meeting so you can get in, say your piece, and get out if you want. But it's a way to share your concerns and it doesn't have to be anything significant. You can even just come and say I'm advocating for keeping the drop-off kennels. And if people can't make the actual meeting can they email the the assembly? Yes, if you go on the borough website, you can email the uh, assembly as a whole, you can email them individually. Yeah, I, I highly encourage people to email the mayor if they cannot make it to the actual meeting itself. Also, I was wondering if you had any calls to action about ASAP. For instance, do you need any more volunteers? Do you need uh, more donations? What, what does ASAP need 
to better serve the community? Well, I will tell you that we have uh, a long wait list. So the more we can help people, the better. I wish that we had other resources in the community for low-cost spay-neuter because, uh, you know, there's a few vets that do low-cost spay-neuter, but it's through coupons or exceptions or things like that. And most vets, it's a pretty high fee. But we always need donations, meaning like we do not charge people who cannot afford it. And so we ask for donations. What we use those donations for is to help people that cannot afford to get their animals fixed. Well, thank you, Christina, for coming in today. I so appreciate it. I I appreciate your passion about this topic and that you have provided people with so, so much information here that I think that they didn't know about. And this is really important. This is going to impact so many people in this community because, like I said, there are, there are a lot of lower-income people here, poor people, working-class people who cannot afford various kinds of fees for, for health care and spay and neuter and that sort of thing. There are a lot of people who use the drop-off kennels at the shelter. Even if you're a well-to-do person, let's say your animal gets out, what's going to happen then if there's no drop-off kennel there? I think this is really important to talk about. I think it's also really important to talk about how we communicate with the assembly and with these other boards like ACC. What does ACC stand for again? Animal Control Commission. Okay. And then how they also respond to us. I think that's a really those are really important topics. And I'm so glad that we talked a little bit about that today. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And, and like I said, I feel like I'm uh, riding the coattails of uh, Emily Machos and Dr. Olson in the big scheme of what they've done for the community for people. But I'm glad to be able to speak about it. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Maybe I can interview them at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, they're probably too busy, though. But uh, thank you for coming in. And once again, out there in Fairbanks, my name is Shane Brody. My email address is shane at kwrk.org. This is my public affairs show here on, on KWRK, and it's every Wednesday at 8 p.m. And so I play music and talk about some local events, etc. And then sometimes I play an interview. So tune in. If you want to be interviewed and if you are passionate about a subject, just like Christina is today, contact me and I can get you on the radio. If you have an event that you want to advertise that helps out the community in some way, like last night there was a Save Our Domes dance, for instance, up on Goldstream, contact me and we can make little event announcements or calls to action or PSAs, whatever you want. Just contact me, S-H-A-N-E at K-W-R-K dot O-R-G. All right. Thanks, y'all.